0: You're listening to SPHERA Now, a podcast for environmental health, safety, and quality professionals around the globe. This is brought to you by SPHERA, the largest global provider of
1: integrated risk management software and information services, with a focus on environmental health and safety, operational risk, and product stewardship. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the SPHERA Now podcast. I'm James Tarani, Sparks Editor-in-Chief. Today, I'll be speaking with John Hyman, a partner in the law firm Myers-Roman, who is an expert in labor and employment disputes. John writes the popular Ohio employer law blog. He also has a young daughter who is becoming a standout rock and roller in the Buckeye State in a band called Fake ID. So let's just get into some of the numbers. I'm with John Hyman, and he is a partner in the law firm Myers-Roman. And uh, we're talking about a coronavirus today. And, of course, I say a coronavirus coronavirus and not the coronavirus because coronaviruses are zoonotic, meaning they are transmitted between animals and people. So that's the first time I got to say zoonotic on a podcast. I had to get that in there. Um, so this is a Can you issue. spell it? Can I spell zoonotic? Yes, I can. Z-O-O-N-O-T-I-C. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is a serious issue that employers are going to have to be dealing with. And it's not just... Uh, COVID-19, which is this coronavirus, but any type of flu or um, something that could potentially be a pandemic. So, what are some of the issues that you're seeing that employers are are, are grappling with?
0: I mean, there's a there's a lot of issues surrounding this, and it's it, the the last point you made is really impor- is a really important one for your listeners to understand, which is that while Covid nineteen has grabbed the headlines over the last few weeks. The issues, these issues that we're going to talk about, translate to whether we're talking about Covid nineteen, or the annual seasonal flu, or whatever the virus du jour happens to be a year from now, or two years from now, or ten years from now. What we're really, what we're really talking about here is um, putting limits on the spread of infectious diseases um, within the workplace and there are a number of issues that employers have to consider both inside the workplace and outside the workplace in so far as how they're interacting with their employees and how they're allowing their their employees to interact with each other um, to try to Detect the virus and then stop its spread. If an employee happens to either uh, uh, come in contact with someone who's been infected or who get or who um, test positive for the um, for the for the virus itself, so you're talking about. We can get into these in in any order you want or whatever level of detail you want. Sure. But we're talking about things like talking about things like travel restrictions. So if you are you know a company, for example, that does international business. Um, Putting restrictions in place that limits or prohibits your employees from going into any areas that the CDC um, uh, deems to be at a at a sufficient sufficiently high enough threat level for um, for uh, for the coronavirus or the disc coronavirus, um, you know, and the CDC has various levels of warnings out. Um, there's like a level tier you know tier one which is essentially a watch tier two or level two which is kind of enhanced precautions and then tier three which is the actual travel warnings right now as i understand it, there's only two travel warnings in place which is china and south korea um there's enhanced precautions in place for italy iran and japan um and then there's a watch in hong kong and everywhere else while, while this strain of coronavirus is kind of everywhere at this point, there aren't any other any any other, act, any, any other actual countries flagged by the by the CDC. Um, but employers need to, you know, if you're doing business in countries that have had a significant outbreak of, of this strain of coronavirus, um, need to make sure um, that you're following the CDC's guidelines in terms of. Which employees, you know, in terms of allowing employees to travel into these into these particular hot zones?
1: Sure. And uh, just to throw out some stats, these are the uh, latest stats that I saw from the World Health Organization. There are 91,000 confirmed cases as of this t- recording, 80,000 of which are from in China, and there have been a total of 3,200 deaths that have been uh, confirmed from. Uh, COVID 19. So, but this really gets into some interesting issues for employers. So, what if a, a, an employee is traveling uh, for business and they come back and they're quarantined? What are um, employers' obligations in terms of uh, saying paying an hourly employee while they're quarantined?
0: Um, is this employee uh, quarantined because they have COVID-19 or are they quarantine out of an abundance of caution because they traveled into an area where they might've been exposed to COVID-19.
1: That's a difference. Good point. So, okay. What's the
0: difference? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I asked. Um, <laughs> uh, if, someone actually, if, if someone's under quarantine because they actually have an illness, then laws like the Family Medical Leave Act and the Americans with Disabilities Act um, are going to come into play. Um, that will give the employee the quarantine employee certain protections. you don't have to pay them uh, there's no requirement for under the FmLA, for example, that you pay an employee. Um, however, um, it will allow them to take the time off from work while under quarantine without fear of losing their job right They have job restoration rights at the end at, at the end of their leave. A fear of coming down with a an illness or a virus or a disease is not not a serious health condition under the Family Medical Leave Act. And so if someone is quarantined because they are at greater risk of developing COVID-19 at some point in the immediate future and you have them away from the workplace because... Uh, you want to make, you want to give them sufficient time for the virus either to manifest itself or not manifest itself, so you know whether they're safe to return to work. Um, that's not an FMLA covered absence or an, an FMLA covered serious health condition. The absence does not qualify for Family Medical Leave Act. And someone doesn't have an actual, someone d- would be disabled, and we can, and there's an issue as to whether, um, uh, someone who just has a virus without it, um, with the, the, without it manifesting the serious, um, uh, Health risks that some people are having with COVID-19, whether that's a disease, whether that's a disability under the ADA. But assume for a second that it is. The fear of contracting the illness isn't covered by the ADA either. So, in that case, if an employer puts someone on quarantine, or says uh, puts or, or an employee is quarantined, and the employer starts. Let's say someone's stuck on a cruise ship. They go on vacation. They're stuck out of the country because they're on, locked under quarantine because they're in an area where they might have been exposed to COVID-19 and they can't get back to work. They've exhausted their vacation time. They have no PTO left. And now these are unexcused absences. And so now an employer, I suppose, and uh, I, I know the employer under those circumstances would likely be within its rights to – Start counting those absences as unexcused and treat the employee no differently than it would treat the employee for any other unexcused absences and just start um, you know running the meter on discipline and termination under under the company's um, under the company's attendance policy that would be a horrible thing to do to an employee under these circumstances if someone um goes to Toronto for a long weekend and not allowed to not allowed to come back into the u s because there has been a rash of covid nineteen cases in Toronto, and the u s seals the border up and so we're not accepting anybody coming in from Canada until they've cleared quarantine. Um, it would be a horrible thing to fire an employee under the under those circumstances so um, yeah. my you know my recommendation to my clients would be you just you treat that as like an excuse personal leave, paid or unpaid the company's choice. Um, I'd recommend um, under those circumstances, if someone's on an approved vacation and gets stuck where they can't come back, I, I'd, I'd recommend a paid leave. But a company's mileage in that situation might be different. Um,
1: yeah. So what about is there a difference between the government saying quarantine, quarantining a worker, and a company saying we think that you might have uh, contracted COVID-19, you can't come back to work for four weeks or two weeks or whatever it is? And they're they're an hourly employee, and they don't have they're they're working in a position where you can't do the work from home, where you actually have to be in um, the office to do the work. Is there any uh, risk there?
0: I mean, they're really, it's really the same. There's no law that says that you have if if the government imposes a quarantine that you have to pay the employee for the time they're away from work, hourly or uh, hourly or salaried. Um, so. It's really not uh it's it's a distinction without a difference in this case if the employee is quarantined, whether it's the government's choice or the employer's choice um, it is potentially um an unexcused absence and and again, I would recommend that the absence be treated as excused under the circumstances it's the it's the right thing to do um and then the company's choice whether they want to treat that as a paid as a paid leave or or an unpaid leave at that point
1: okay, so what happens if uh, there's an employee in the office and this person is coughing a lot and sneezing a lot. What is an employer allowed to do? I mean, I, I would imagine there'd be some ADA concerns there about telling a worker to leave the office, but I could be wrong.
0: If someone is, you know, coughing and sneezing in the workplace, um, you can certainly, at that point, you'd certainly under the ADA potentially be within your rights to make a a disability-related inquiry at that point. If you think someone has a compromised cardiovascular system, immune system, whatever, because they are under these circumstances, you know, coughing their head off doesn't look well. I think you'd be you'd be potentially within your rights to um, ask the employee, you know, are they okay? Do they need, do they need any assistance? Are you sick? What's going on under the ADA during employment? Y- you can only make a disability related inquiry, which this potentially would be um, if, um, if it's job related and consistent with business necessity. I can make a really good argument in this circumstance, given the uh, all the unknowns and uncertainties surrounding COVID 19. Um, we don't understand. Uh, you know how it's. We don't understand how it's spread, why it's spread, um, why how it's showing up in some places, where it's showing up. I, I think you can make a good argument that, given the current state of the world with COVID-19, that if somebody presents with symptoms with symptoms that could be consistent with an infection, with, with a viral infection, that you that that inquiry is is job related and consistent with um, consistent with business necessity. So. It gets tricky then, so someone then you send, someone says, no, I'm fine. I just, you know, I just have a tickle in my throat or I haven't been around anybody with COVID-19. And so now it's, you know, so now what do you do? Because you can't, at that point, you may, you may or may not, you may or may not have enough of a reasonable, reasonable belief to send someone for an actual test at that point. So you're, as an employer, you're, you're, you're really on, you're really kind of walking a very thin line here in terms of, is the medical inquiry permissible? Depending on the information you get back, do you have enough to send someone for an exam? Um, or are we overreacting and fear-mongering and really um, engaging in you know, in, in an impermissible medical exam that might cross a line under the ADA? And I'll take it one step further, that the ADA also has confidentiality provisions in the statute and if you know that an employee you know has COVID-19 you you may be limited by the ADA in terms of what you can say to others within the company about the medical issue that's keeping a certain employee out of work I mean the statute says you're only allowed to let tell people who have a need to know you know anyone I I could argue that anyone this employee came in contact with potentially has a need to know because they they want to know if they've been exposed but there are we are in a really 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 gray area here in terms of what the ada allows in terms of medical inquiries medical exams and then dissemination of information upon a a positive test or suspected positive test or suspected um, infection
1: got it so let's take a let's kind of turn this around a little bit we talked about quarantining but what about an employee who doesn't want to take a trip because they're afraid of a business trip because they're afraid of t- getting some type of virus uh, can it, can an employer force the employee to do that
0: uh yeah they can fear of fear of contracting an illness is not covered uh, is not a protective disability um, so yeah the, the the employer would be within its rights to force the employee to take the trip I know companies all over the country now are, of all sizes, are taking a really, really close look at their, at their travel programs right now in terms of where they're sending people and what they're requiring their employees to do. Uh, I know a lot of companies are blocking all non-essential travel and are taking a really hard look at what travel they deem essential and what people they are sending on um, this essential travel and where they're sending them. So I know travel to mainland China and Korea is, let out out of the question because of this guidance the cdc has 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 offered a lot of companies are severely restricting travel to continental europe um because of the concentration of covid19 in northern italy and how that's kind of spidering out of there to countries all over all over continental europe so it is yes a company is within its rights um but I would encourage all companies that haven't already to take a really, really hard look at their at their travel policies and programs, and who they're sending, uh, sure. who they're sending, and where they're sending them to, and why they're sending them there.
1: But this actually gets to the uh, another issue is we've been talking about ADA, FMLA, FMLA, um, but some of the companies do business and have uh, offices all around the world. So how complicated is this for companies to deal with? The local laws, like if if you have a if you have a workers in Germany or you have workers in Hong Kong and you're a U.S. business, how complicated is all those?
0: Um, very, <laughs> uh, very, very, very complicated. Uh, there are God knows how many employment laws all over the world. I can't pretend to be an expert on any of them except for those in the U.S. Uh, but it is it is extraordinarily complex for a multinational company to manage its various medical and leave policies when you're dealing with um uh the the makings of uh the, the the makings of a viral pandemic.
1: Um so getting back to the US though, so if and when a vaccine is created, say for COVID um COVID nineteen can employers force their workers to get that vaccination?
0: Uh, uh, yes, but with a big but, and the, the big but would be um, if it, if an employee requests a reasonable accommodation either for a religious uh, observance or for an under or for another for a different underlying medical reason, uh, an, an employer uh, may have to grant that accommodation. Uh, and exempt the employee from the from the vaccine requirement uh, exceptions exceptions so that exception would be where the vaccine would be potentially be medically necessary, like for healthcare workers. Um, another gray area whether um, a, a, a healthcare organization uh, for uh, particularly for individuals that are that are patient fronting um, can require a vaccine even in the face of a religious, you know, a religious observance or an underlying medical issue. Um, But absent those two exceptions, um, yeah, uh, an employer can require the vaccine.
1: Okay. That's good to know. So getting back to FMLA, so say something happens in the United States, like in Japan where they close the schools for a month. I'm assuming that... uh, um, employees would be able to take that time off because of FMLA. Is that right?
0: Uh, no, no. Um, school closures are not a are not a, a covered um, uh, a, a covered instance under the FMLA. If a if a, fam- if a family member is six or so someone's child actually um, develops COVID 19 and it's home from school, then you can take the FMLA for the serious health condition of the close family member. But if the school is closed and, and is really, I think, points out one of the glaring holes in the, in the FMLA. Uh, but if, the, if a school is closed and your six-year-old is home and you don't otherwise have childcare, uh, the FMLA is not going to cover your absences from work in those situations.
1: Wow, <laughs> that, that's going to affect a lot it, of people if something like it, that happens.
0: It's potentially, yes.
1: That's very interesting, and it's definitely good to know
0: yeah I mean but it, but it, it raises another issue for i mean if if you' if you're you know a manufacturing plant and you have people that work on the line, need, need to be in the workplace to actually get the work done, that's one thing, but for workers that aren't necessarily tied to a physical location where they can take their laptop and work from home, for example um the the question that you raise in terms of what to do in that situation if a school is closed because of quarantine and you know your kid has nowhere to go unless you're home with unless you're home with your child really raises the issue of the need for employers to be flexible and nimble here and to really consider implementing um, flexible and remote work arrangements to allow employees to continue working under the circumstances
1: yeah i don 't know if this is the right wording, but it 's almost like there's a legal versus moral difference there
0: yeah it's legal versus moral ethical kind of what I, I look at i look at it as you know what kind of organization do we want to be? do we want to be the organization that's going to fire the employee who has no choice but to stay home with their six-year-old because first grade is closed because the school's under quarantine? Or do we want to be the organization that's going to have a little bit of compassion here, understand that there are issues that are sometimes bigger than um, whatever widget we make on the line that this employee happens to work on, and um, allow some flexibility to allow the employee to handle the family issue and then come back to work, and 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 the pushback. And I know the pushback that companies give is, well, we're setting ourselves up to be taken advantage of. You know, we, you know, and if we give employees an incentive, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna take a mile. And my, and that is true. And I think in some cases, and I think in those cases, those employees, over the course of time, will select themselves out by not being the type of worker you will want to have in your workplace and will do other things that will cause them to lose their jobs at some point in the future. I think that in situations like this, I think when you are, uh, show a little bit of compassion, work with your employees, and give a little bit to allow the employees to deal with what they have to deal with, particularly under very unique and very difficult circumstances like we're talking about. I think what you get back in return is um, loyalty um, and devotion from the employee that you simply did that you can't put a you, you can't put a number on and you can't buy.
1: Definitely, and I know you compile a list of worst employers every year. Have you seen anything COVID nineteen related yet?
0: I have not yet, but the story is still pretty new, so I'm 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 looking for it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Were there any other important areas that we missed um, that we should talk about?
0: The, the real issue here that I think employers and there's a lot of issues here and if I can just come back to one that we touched on that we touched on earlier just to make sure um as we kind of talk through it that what I was saying was abundantly clear. You know, if you have if you have the employee if you have the employee who presents in the workplace with a um you know a cough you know a cough and a fever mm-hmm. um I think, in that case, I think the company is within its rights to send the employee home um, and in, until the employee is not is not um, is no longer symptomatic um, because we don't know we're still I'm still unclear how this virus is spreading, and we want to make sure we're protecting everybody uh, we're protecting everybody within the workplace secondly, and then one other issue that I don't think we talked about is just implementing good hygiene practices in the workplace so um, and, you know encouraging hand washing, um, encouraging you know the wiping down of workstations, um, and things like that. So we're doing, we're doing what we catch from a basic hygiene standpoint within the workplace to to stop the spread of whatever viruses or infections are, are sure. you know might might be bubbling under the surface.
1: And it's the honor system. We expect you guys to wash your hands a lot.
0: <laughs> uh, we do. We do. But I have worked in workplaces where I've seen people walk out of the bathroom without washing their hands. Nice. So I apologize in advance to anybody I've ever worked with if I didn't shake your hand. That's why.
1: Well, I, I understand that there's a new handshake where you touch shoes, that so you don't touch people's hands. And I, I think, actually, I saw something that the n v a Advised its players not to uh, high-five each other anymore, which I thought was interesting.
0: Yeah, and they—I and they saw they've also put some limits on. or some suggested limits on fan interaction and in games and out in public and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's—it's it's, we're, we're really, um, like I said, we're really kind of an uncharted territory here, and and it's up to ev- it's up to every individual and every company to decide what is kind of what information is valid and what information is kind of panic inducing or fear mongering, I would suggest that everybody go to CDC.gov and rely on the information that the CDC is putting out there. It's the most current um and it's and it's the most valuable for companies in terms of the current um the information about the virus um and uh what best practices people should be considering uh putting in place to to deal with this um in the workplace and elsewhere.
1: Definitely. And we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on this virus as it spreads, no pun intended. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much, John, for talking with me today. It was a pleasure uh, chatting with you again, and I appreciate all of your insights here.
0: My pleasure. Thanks for having me. This concludes this episode of SPHERA Now. For more content on topics such as these, we encourage you to visit SPHERA.com, S-P-H-E-R-A.com while there, feel free to click contact and submit feedback on this podcast or suggest topics you'd like to see us cover. Thank you and have a great rest of your day.